On this week's episode, will Army of the Dead kill it for Netflix? Can Modoc be a sleeper hit for Marvel? And will F9 drive in a huge audience worldwide? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is the Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram. You got to go ahead and check him out today at Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> he's a good man indeed. He might even one day stream what he's doing right behind him right now with all that great stuff that looks all nice and orderly and really good right there on that workbench with all the drone stuff that he's going to be working on. Hopefully he'll be able to stream that for us one day on Twitch. It is my good friend indeed. It is Marcus De La Garza. And my friend, I'll tell you what, it's great to have you back on the show one more time. One more time. I'm really looking forward to uh, streaming here pretty soon. I'm actually starting to slow down on my project at work, so uh, things are going to be looking up here pretty soon as far as little extra side time to work on some of these side projects. I did do one this week. I took some pictures, put it on Twitter. So it was a lot of fun. I took some pictures, and I don't have feelings in my fingers, so it helped with the soldering a little bit at times. But other than that, man, I'm really looking forward to feeling in your fingers, man. That's overrated. Yeah, you don't need feeling. It's fine. But, but I heard yeah. you wanted to talk about some other things as well, something that interests you coming out of the state of Texas. I do. So Austin City Limits just announced their lineup this week, and it's looking pretty interesting. These are all people that I really, 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 really love. George Strait, Billie Eilish, Stevie Nicks, Miley Cyrus, Rufus Dussault, DaBaby, Erica Badu, and like the list just keeps going on and on and on. Really looking forward to maybe getting down to Austin October 1st through 3rd, 8th through 10th, you know, just to try and get to ACL this year. I mean, that's assuming that, you know, everyone's doing better with their shots. Everybody's doing okay with COVID. You know, I hope this doesn't turn into another uh, online event only. But, you know, if it does, it does. And we just got to play the hand that we're dealt. I know here in Las Vegas, the Life is Beautiful Festival which goes over the course of a weekend that is scheduled for later this year with a lot of big names. I think Billie Eilish is on that as well. So they're starting to go ahead and plan these concerts out kind of a welcome back to reality. Welcome back to life. But like you said, it's contingent on a lot of things that are out there to obviously protect everyone's health and safety out there. So things are looking a little bit better real soon. But it's going to be a great episode with you, my friend, and hopefully everyone out there as well. We cannot thank you enough for watching and listening. We're going to be talking about some good things, including why are you not watching Love, Death, and Robots? But that's right now, season two. It dropped recently on Netflix and on, well, in fact, National Streaming Day, that it is. You should go ahead and check that out. Please, it's Love and Death and Robots season two. We'll go ahead and talk about why we're intrigued, and why we are going to be catching Love, Death, and Robots coming up in the program. Plus also as well, speaking of robots, although you probably don't want to call him a robot, Moda is also (laughs) set to hit Hulu, if you didn't know. And being that he's one of the more curious Marvel villains that's ever been created, we'll talk about the prospects for a MODOK series, how well it's been received, and if this is something that can boost Hulu, or surprise Marvel with his popularity coming up here in the program as well. And speaking of it being 
National Streaming Day as we're recording this. We want to talk about a merger that we hinted at was being formulated in place over the weekend on our Monday show, The Pop Culture Cosmos. We're going to talk about the Discovery and Warner Brothers merger and what that might mean for you, the viewer, coming up in the program as well. F9 is hitting theaters in certain parts of the world. It's starting to reach out internationally as of this recording, slowly but surely. Some areas like the UK and US will not get in until this time next month. So we're going to discuss why the slow rollout for this movie, which has a base in its international audience. And one of the prime reasons for its success continuously is its international audience. So we're going to talk about if this will be the film that drives, get it, get it, drives in the audience (laughs) Once again, worldwide coming up in the program as well. But first, my friend, it is Zack Snyder's just a, no, I'm sorry, not just a I teased everybody there, but Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead is coming up this weekend on Netflix. I got a chance to watch the first 15 minutes of it out on YouTube and so far so good with it. I know the reviews are okay. But basically, this is Zack Snyder's return to the zombie universe after his time spent in the DC universe, which he may never go back to. But that's another story in and of itself. But Zack Snyder is back with the Army of the Dead, starring Dave Bautista and a lot of other great cast members as well, which I'll name off here in a little bit. But your thoughts on watching this movie, it is a spiritual successor to his dawn of the dead movie that he made in the early 2000s but it's not a direct sequel it's still something a little bit different it's like a heist film based in las vegas where they want to go ahead and steal i think it's 200 million dollars if i'm not mistaken out of a vault under one of the main casinos in las vegas which where i'm at but las vegas happens to be a controlled area where it's all walled off because of some zombies In fact, the whole city is now infested with zombies. In fact, the whole city is zombies. So I should be a zombie right now because I'm in Vegas. But be that as it may, your thoughts, my friend, on watching Army of the Dead this weekend. I know you said you and Jamie are going to check it out. But your thoughts on Zack Snyder returning to this universe after his time spent with Warner Brothers and DC. Yeah, so we uh, just got a chance to catch the trailer together for the first time. And, you know, having watched it previously, I was really intrigued by it. I wanted to make sure that I got a chance to watch the trailer with Jamie before we got on air tonight. And she always has some great one-liners. But, you know, I think her overarching statement tonight was, if Zack Snyder can deliver the quality of movie that he gave us in this trailer, it's going to be a great one. And I, I don't disagree. You know, just watching the trailer, Dave Bautista plays kind of a interesting role, it looks like. Kind of looks a little nerdy at times here in this film. But for me, I'm excited to watch this movie tomorrow night. It's going to be a lot of fun. But at the same time, I think it's going to have its its moments where it'll catch you off guard. In the trailer, you see like a bride zombie and a, and a king zombie as well. And it's quite the interesting storyline. Maybe I can jump on on Sunday and we can talk about it just slightly if you guys have some room for me. Absolutely. Uh, we'll always find some room for you. I do want to go ahead before we mention some of the cast members on there, because there's one interesting cast member that we do need to talk about. And that is according to what the research I've done on it. And the research I've done on it has stated that this is going to have different levels of zombies from the super smart zombie to drone zombies that are just out there. Just go ahead, eat some flesh and some mid-level zombies. And of course, mutated zombies. And of course the zombie tiger, which everybody seems to be, up in arms about i love that yeah it's a little bit different than his previous zombie effort dawn of the dead so yeah it is i want to go ahead and ask you this are you into the different levels of zombie where again there's a super smart zombie that's controlling the whole horde or are you into that type of deal i mean does it make it too unrealistic in an unrealistic fashion as far as i mean because we're dealing with zombies anyways but i've seen this trope before where they have a super smart zombie that's controlling all the other zombies and and things like that so i want to hear your thoughts on the different layers of zombies or are, do you like it just better like for instance world war z which i've been uh, catching up on again 
and had because I hadn't seen it for a while. And the, there's just they're just mindless zombies out to go ahead and eat well, and eat. I do want to say my personal preference for zombie is Shaun of the Dead zombie, something that's going to easily take a hit to the head and, and just go down. Whether that's a record or two by four or a pitchfork, you know, whatever it is, that zombie's got to go down on that first hit. But you know, I, I don't actually don't mind the level of zombie here that we're we're embracing for this film. When you really look at it, yes, it is fantastical. It's nothing that's ever get, happened. It's never likely to happen. But we've lived in this world where zombies are either one thing or the other. We've never looked at this layer view, really, that I can think of from a pop culture standpoint. Because when you really look at it, Walking Dead kind of had a little bit of that at times. But I've walked away from that show, so I don't know where we've taken it since I, I've left. But They don't know, have it, super smart walkers there. I'm sorry. They, they don't have super smart walkers, but it felt like, yeah, it felt like at times we had some zombies that were uh, a little more intelligent than maybe some of the others. And maybe that's just creative writing. or you know. I think that was writing. probably some of the actors you were thinking of. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the, one, uh, the ones that were supposed to play alive. People that <laughs> need I digress. Yeah, but it's a concept that we really haven't embraced too much in pop culture. And so I'm looking forward to the stratification or like the different levels of zombies that we're going to have in this film. Yeah, And really the animal zombie. Wow. Uh, the tiger zombie wasn't expecting that at all. And the first thought I had was, is that Mike Tyson's tiger? Could be, or from the Siegfried and Roy exhibit. Who knows? Yeah. You never know. Yeah. yeah, right now. What other tourist traps can we come up with to see where the tiger came from? You know, exactly. Well, we don't have that many here in Vegas, but yes, those are the first two places I would obviously look towards to as far as having a zombie tiger. But I wanted to go ahead and mention some of the cast here: Ella Purnell, Omari Hardwick, Ana de la Reguera, Theo Rossi, Hiroki Sonata, who he is just a great actor, Garrett Dillahunt, Tignataro. And the reason why I'm going down the list is because we come to Tig Notaro, who wasn't originally in this film when they shot the film. No. No. And there's a reason why, because of some legal issues and very serious issues that original star of this movie, or one of the co-stars of this movie, Chris Delia, had. And because of that, and the very bad look it would have given Netflix had they kept him in the movie, they decided to go ahead and digitally edit him out with Tignotero. Every scene with Tignotero, which would be normally, okay, okay, let's bring all the actors back. But wait, they didn't bring the actors back. So she had the tough role of having to act every single scene in that movie that you see her in by herself, filmed at a different time, superimposed. So that's the most curious part of this film I want to see is how realistic does it look? Does it look like she's actually there interacting with all these people? Yeah, I was pretty intrigued by this recast here. You know, I was a really big fan of Chris D'Elia's at first and really embraced his stand-up. I thought it was hilarious. But, you know, seeing what happened with him last year, over the last year and a half with the issues that have arisen for him, I've walked away from his stand-up. You know, I, I will not embrace him as an entertainer anymore. But I was really excited to see Tig cast for the recast here. And just reading up on some of the solo shoots they had to do there, it feels kind of weird that it's just you and the director and he's guiding you through this entire scene. Yeah, and, and like I uh, said, there may be people around her yeah, trying but, to act out the scenes with her that are never filmed and never shown. Obviously, they digitize them out or whatnot, but it is essentially her superimposed with everybody else. Yeah, it's her basically superimposed onto Crystalia's face, maybe? Uh, I don't, no, it's, the whole thing. It's her whole body. Well, it's, but it's I mean, her. like, uh, there's going to be times where you've got a close up where it's just her face that's superimposed on like his yeah. shoulders. You think? I, I don't know. What to what level did we take this film where we <laughs> went back to? CGI? I think it's her. It's her whole body. I think he is okay. his not his body. Everything is is out. Everything is digitized out. Does this feel like the original Darth Vader, James Earl Jones kind of crossover here? I mean, well, like... I, it just feels like that if it's done well enough, that Hollywood's going to look at this even more closely. I mean. All the money in the world. No, but I mean, an interesting scenario to propose to you. What happens if you have a major blockbuster that has a major star that kind of ends up in a bad situation? Well, that's what I'm saying. With Christopher Plummer, when he replaced, he wasn't superimposed movie, but they reshot all of his scenes within a span of a, like a week. And right. it just came out just like a, like a month before the film because of all the problems with the previous actor that was in it, who is still uh, having those legal issues. We won't discuss that, but how Christopher Plummer had an Academy Award nomination for this film 
and that came out of it. But essentially, he replaced someone else. And right. now it's going to come to a point, let's say for Army Hammer. Army Hammer is having a lot of legal issues, and they need to probably do the same thing as far as digitize him out. I mean, because if it looks good enough here, good enough that you and I as the regular viewer don't notice it, and never even knew Chris Delia was in the actual movie, then you know what? It might be the case where they might do this more often. So if a movie is on its way out and has a scandal, that they can literally go ahead in just a week or two time, just superimpose someone else onto all your scenes. And that makes it like we never even knew what was going on. Well, all right. So interesting situation to think about here is what happens if you have a major blockbuster that came out a year, two years ago, that's still popular. You know, it's a franchise that you really want to continue on with. Do you go back and superimpose somebody else's into some of these scenes and replace an actor so that you can keep the storyline consistent when you recast you just this person. Yeah, you just replace the actor. You think if so? You, yeah, you just replace it. Let's say something, okay, like we're going to talk about F9 later in the show. Yeah, yeah. Let's say something, Same. you know, F9 comes out, it's a big hit as always, yada, yada, yada. And then Vin Diesel somehow, you know, has some bad crime, heinous crime, you know. Falls from grace, you know. Or, you know, tries to act or anything like that that's yeah. really heinous for him. <laughs> but I will say that if that was the case, just let him be in the other nine ones. And if you want to replace him or have his exact role still in there, just have someone replace him. It's already too late for that. Once the horse is out of the barn, forget about it. Just forget about it. See, mark my words, within the next decade, I think we're going to go back and, and re-film scenes for a major release where somebody had a scandal and we're going to recast that person so that in the sequel and and eventually the trilogy has the same actor throughout. I think it's possible. And I think that where we're getting with the CGI and the ability to superimpose, you know, people in there, especially if things go well with Tig in this army of the dead movie, I think it's possible, man, in the next decade, we're going to see somebody get replaced after the fact. But that's only if there are scenes where there's no contact with any other individual. Let's say we have a story, a love story, and the two are hugging and kissing at the end. That's going to be really hard to duplicate or superimpose upon. It's going to create a lot of problems, a lot of issues. I see it only being done on a case-by-case basis. Well, and I, I was going to say, I mean, this obviously presented its own logistical challenges trying to reshoot for TIG, but I mean, somehow they made it work. So why not somebody else, especially a major blockbuster in the future? I see more of what we saw with all the money in the world. Again, uh, Ridley Scott was able to go ahead and bring in the late Christopher Plummer in there for uh, what about a week two weeks just ahead of schedule before it was out he was in there filmed all the scenes that the other actor was going to go ahead and do and boom he it was out there and obviously he got a lot of preps for it. i think i think that's what you were going to see more of instead of the very highly expensive digitization of a, another actor superimposing on another actor i think that's more costly i think the coronavirus and the pandemic created that situation where they couldn't physically reshoot the scenes with all the actors. So I think that's what necessitated this. I assume we're going to be seeing that first before we see anything else, as far as just reshooting the scenes with a different actor and all the actors bringing them back in. I think that's a more cost-effective way to doing it. But it is going to be interesting to see the kind of reception that this movie gets, plus Tignotero's performance in it when you watch it are you going to realize if she was replacing someone or are you going to just think that she was just part of the cast it'll be interesting to see all those parameters this will be a return to the zombie genre for Zack snyder but what are your thoughts out there on Zack snyder's army of the dead which debuts this weekend on netflix we want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh. Jock and Nerd! Well, my friend, there's still so much more to talk about on today's program. 
want to hear your thoughts on speaking of Netflix. So we're going to stay on Netflix here for a sec because it is National Streaming Day. It is. Yes. So happy National Streaming Day. It's so funny because not very many of these streaming outlets really did anything to go ahead and push it. I mean, Disney Plus did a little kind of infomercial thing and that really was great. But I would say in the future that these streamers are going to recognize National Streaming Day and utilize maybe a premiere of something or showcase something really well or give them a surprise or or drop something maybe a day or two early that they weren't going to drop early. I think in the future, these streamers, if they were smart, is going to actually embrace National Streaming Day and actually utilize it for what it is. I mean, the day was created. You might as well use it. Right. You put the marketing dollars behind it. This is your bread and butter. Let's really connect with your user base and let's actually do National Streaming Day right. It's interesting that we haven't done it right yet, seeing as this is the major direction that the market is moving. Well, speaking of streaming, speaking of Netflix, since Army of the Dead is going to be on a lot of what people are watching on Netflix this weekend, there's something everybody else should check out on Netflix as well. And that is Love, Death, and Robots Season 2. It's gone under the radar for the most part in both of its seasons, but it's gotten pretty good reviews so far. And it's a series I'm going to get into. I did not really get a, much of a glimpse of it in Season 1. Netflix didn't promote it to me very well. So if I don't catch it, or if I don't catch it on time, or they don't do enough to promote it, and I don't see it very well, then I'm going to say that they probably didn't do a great job of promoting it the first time around. But obviously they enjoyed it enough to bring out a season two of it. So I'm checking out now the animation of it. It looks very stylistic. It's very quirky from what I'm seeing. And I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a more of a deep dive coming up this weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, I told you already that I'm looking at Army of the Dead. I'm also looking at Love, Death, and Robots. The listeners out there, if you had a chance to catch the first season, 18 episodes, outstanding. They actually won two Emmy Awards, Outstanding Short Form Animated Program and Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. They also were nominated for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series and Animation. So, I mean, this is a really accomplished series. And it's had some really, really, really big names in that 18-episode first run, that first season. And so if you have a chance, I really, really, really urge people to give this a shot. I actually only made it through about the first six episodes of the first season. And I actually have that same critique is I was watching it. I enjoyed it. I didn't stop watching it because I didn't enjoy it. It's just other things were out and Netflix stopped pushing it to me. It actually released on my birthday, March 15th, 2019. And so... You know, just having watched the first few episodes, I was really intrigued by it. And like you were saying, the animation style is really quirky, but it has these moments where it feels realistic at times with some of the textures they give the characters. You know, and then you have robots that if you're watching the season two trailer that you walk your dog and clean up the dog poop. So you have your moments of really beautiful animation. You have your moments of comedy animation. You have everything in between. I think it's a great way to kind of have a more of an adult cartoon that's geared at having more of those r-rated laughs and doing it with a topic You're just doing it that way it's it's fun i really enjoyed those first six episodes i'm gonna go back and finish it and then give season two a, a try this maybe this weekend if we can slam through everything on saturday but i think we're supposed to be going to the beach from 10 to 2 on saturday you can't so, go to the beach you gotta stay indoors and watch some tv man man it's it's hard though i mean like i want to sit at home and just watch and i've just you know i've been working long hours at work so uh you know it seems like on saturday sunday it feels like that's all we've been doing lately so i finally you know we're putting our foot down we're going to the beach we're gonna go have some fun uh, just sit down and be a couch potato. Nah, I, I wish, man. Maybe, all right, actually, one of my favorite things to do used to be to sit on the beach and watch Red Zone during the fall because it's just the best thing ever. Why not watch the NFL while you're sitting on the beach having a beer? Well, before we hit the break, my friend, there's another show that's coming out to a streaming service that I think we need to talk about that kind of has a robot-ish type feel. Yeah. And that is Marvel's MODOK is coming with Patton Oswalt in the title role. Looking forward to it. I've seen some clips already. It looks really, really funny. And it's getting also very strong reviews. And it's on Hulu, just to let everyone know, because it's not the cleanest thing that Marvel has put out there. And it is geared more towards adults and more of adult cartoon. I wish it was on Disney+. Plus. Probably be a little bit better 
are more accessible and more and ultimately more popular because they do need their content. But I understand Hulu, but this goes back to another argument for another day on that. Right. Again, right. with why Hulu is even existing and not just part of Disney Plus. But I want to ask you this. Or... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I want to yeah. ask you this. Modoc is also coming in under the radar. Part of it is because of it's on Hulu. Part of it is just because that I don't think it's getting the biggest push, even from Hulu. I don't even see any much in the way of advertising for it. But do you think this can also be a good hit for Hulu and also a sneaky hit for Marvel as well? I think it will be. And, you know, I do understand why this got placed on Hulu, just it being more adult level content. It's got the guys from Robot Chicken involved in this project. You can tell based on the trailer that they had a very heavy-handed influence. And if you've ever watched an episode of Robot Chicken, there are times in that in that show that are very hilarious, but not meant for younger viewers. And so I'm not surprised this ended up on Hulu. We've talked about the division of the Disney Plus network and putting more of the adult-sided things on Hulu. And you know, I, I really wish we could have just brought this all into one platform and segmented from there be easier for me you know versus you know having six different apps on my tv or whatever it is but you know god forbid they would want to make it so simple for you and we're going to get to discovery time warner thing they boasted two hundred twenty thousand hours of content in their uh, you know with this merger so i'd love to know what disney has at the end of the day for their entire library if you added up all of disney plus hulu and then espn don't forget about them they have their 30 for 30s they have their documentary films that are hour long I mean, they've got all sorts of content as well that they could add to the mix. But There are uh, a lot of things they could add to the mix, yes. But hey, but MODOK, though, let's go ahead and, and talk about this one. I really enjoyed the trailer. I had no clue about MODOK until uh, we talked about it You know, just yesterday when you sent me the uh, the message. I enjoy Robot Chicken, so I know I'm going to enjoy MODOK. You know, if I had anything to say to the listeners out there, give it a shot. It's going to be a, more of that adult-level humor, so if you have you know kids under the age of 14, 15, maybe don't bring, don't let them watch that first episode with you until you get a feel for it and whether or not that's the level of humor you're willing to share with your children. But, you know, hey, this is going to be a really funny show. And I'm hoping this series is around for at least three or four seasons. You know, it could give that Rick and Morty esque animation comedy a run for its money. Well, we'll see what happens as Modoc, one of the more interesting characters in the Marvel Universe. He has his own series, again, voiced by Patton Oswalt, a very, very funny comedian. So we're looking forward to MODOK as it premieres this weekend right there on Hulu and seeing if if that's going to help Hulu at all make a dent in the streaming universe on, like we said, the National Streaming Day that it is today. So happy National Streaming Day, everyone out there. If you're watching on a streaming giant out there, please enjoy best you can. But MODOK is something that I think that could surprise a lot of people out there if it's done well, if it's done right. I like the fact he has a whole household, a family right there that he starts off with and seems like just the average Joe that's unfortunately a supervillain. And then he goes off to work and becomes a supervillain and how he interacts as a supervillain plus his regular household and how that interacts is kind of funny and i know that's going to be a running gag throughout but i'm looking forward to checking out some of the action that's going on in modok and i know you are as well my friend so definitely going to be something we're going to be checking out as soon as we can when it comes to modok on hulu what are your thoughts out there on modok and love death and robots modok on hulu love death and robots on netflix share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com Well, coming up next, we're going to go and do a deep dive, as we say here on the show, on the merger with Discovery and Warner Brothers and that whole Time Warner thing. We're going to go ahead and talk about that coming up here in a little bit. Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking about F9, the continuation of the Fast and Furious series. And we're going to talk about how it's being rolled out internationally and if this will be the movie that brings everyone back into the theaters worldwide. We're going to be talking about that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are, then you got to check out Season 1 of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love action figure adventure. 
And we're back with the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. Once again, it's my good friend, Castle PCC, on the Twitter and Instagram. Marcus De La Garza right here with me. I want to go ahead and make a couple corrections. I've actually said myself over the past couple weeks, so I want to get that corrected and out of the way. First off, I did mention when we were having a conversation in regards to Ellen and the Tom Cruise incident where he was dancing on the sofa was not on her show. It was on Oprah's show. So Ooh, my memory yep. my memory failed me. So I apologize if that happens when you get older. So I do apologize for that. I want to just go ahead and make a correction there. So you get a few emails about that one? No, that was just okay. something I, I caught and was like, oh, I gotta make a correction, make sure I get it straight on the, on the show. And then also we keep going back and forth on the release date for Black Widow. It is July 9th. I know we uh, kind of yep. said that. We kind of intermixed it with Loki. It is coming out during the Loki series while that Loki series takes place on Disney Plus, but it's not coming at the beginning or the front end of it. It's coming on the back end of it where it will be close to the end of the series, but it will be coming out July 9th to theaters. Although I have a feeling right around then it's going to be released internationally as well, a little bit earlier, like it's always been to different audiences. Like actually Fast 9 is doing to an extreme. So we'll be talking about that coming up on the back yeah, end of the show. Yeah. And I mean, they're doing a little bit even more extended release window than normal. I think this is one of the larger release windows I've ever seen when it comes to Fast 9. But again, we'll be talking about that and the whole ramifications of this movie on why that they may be doing that coming up later in the show. But as we went through the corrections and, and apologize for any inconvenience on that, I want to ask you this, my friend, when it comes to what we had hinted on on the Monday show that there were rumors during the course of the weekend that there would be a merger taking place with AT&T selling off. We weren't sure what they were doing, if it was a merger or what was going on. AT&T has sold off its interests in the Time Warner empire, which includes CNN, which includes HBO, HBO Max, TNT, TBS, and I know that they are talking about the Warner Brothers, the Time Warner deal. They went ahead and they're now merging with the Discovery Outlets. And, of course, everybody knows here Discovery Outlets, Discovery Channel. I believe that includes the Food Network, HGTV, from that end of it. So basically a whole bunch of reality is coming into your world if you're an HBO viewer. But I want to ask you this, my friend. This is something that's huge within the streaming industry primarily and the reason why i say that is i don't know how much more content from a cable standpoint i mean what what are they going to do put cooking shows on cnn now are they going to put you know new shows in the middle of hgtv i'm not sure what they're going to do there as far as how do they improve the products of those cable entities those separate entities all by itself where i think this is really going to benefit both of these companies now have now become or going to becoming one uh, i'm assuming is through the streaming marketplace. And I know this is a running theme throughout the entire show, being that it's National Streaming Day. Happy <laughs> National Streaming Day once again. <laughs> I want to ask you this, that if, let's say HBO Max, which just announced that they're going to go to a $10 plan with ads along with the $15 plan that they have already without ads. I want to ask you this. Is this going to be something that a lot of people are going to be interested in if they do eventually combine? Because I know Josh and I speculated that the price tag, if they merged and all the Discovery Plus stuff merges into HBO Max, let's just put it right there. Let's put all the stuff together through that. And it becomes HBO Max Max or HBO Max Plus or whatever. We know the price tag is going to go up, but is this something that's going to combine a whole bunch of people together and create a larger entity that's going to attract a major audience? Because I, I know the numbers for them are very good. They're very strong, especially for a service that's actually priced higher. And I'm talking about HBO Max. They came out with the numbers that are a really good start, but they're still behind the eight ball when it comes to subscribers. I mean, we talked about disney not meeting expectations because they're only at 103 million we talked about amazon being at 200 million we talked about netflix being at 200 million do you see this as a way that they can catch up to those big entities and get to that 100 200 million mark by 
combining all the great stuff that Discovery and all their entities have to offer with HBO Max. First off, I want to say, how appropriate is it that we were talking about this major streaming deal on National Streaming Day? Uh, how I'm, ironic. Not like I planned it. Okay, I maybe I did, but not like I planned it. I'm going to say <laughs> that for record, but yeah, okay, maybe I'm fibbing. Yes, I kind of planned it. All right. Well, I do want to say, you know, thank you for pointing that out. I had to bring it up one more time, but yeah, I think Happy National with, Streaming Day. Yeah. Happy National Streaming Day, everybody. But I think merging with Discovery Plus is the win here. I really hate to kind of point out how much money was lost by AT&T throughout this entire process. They bought... Oh, yeah. They really admitted they made a mistake by doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah. They made the initial deal for $85 million to acquire Time Warner Billion. in 2018. Eight, I'm sorry, $85 billion, Sorry. If this is $85 uh, million, dollars, let's get our money together. That's fine. Ooh, I, I, we might be able to afford that. Crypto Ron. coin. Get your crypto <laughs> coin. Speaking of which, that was a bad crash this week. But you know, <laughs> but uh, eighty-five billion, man, and they actually just sold off. Is it Time Warner? Yeah, Time Warner. I think it's for, Time Warner. Yeah, Time Warner for forty-three billion this week. That's a, a a billion more than you know half of what you bought it for. That's a really big loss for AT and T. They've got some really big priorities. If you read the article on the Ringer. It talks about how, you know, they're trying to roll out their nationwide 5G. They're trying to roll out their own fiber optic internet. They need money. And what they bought in Time Warner is kind of a money pit unless you know how to manage it. And obviously they didn't know how to manage it. So get out of the streaming game, get back to what you do best, telephones and connecting people, you know, over various communication methods. And I think this is a huge win for consumers, though. If you look at everything under the umbrella of Discovery Plus and HBO Max now, that's Discovery, Food Network, HGTV, the WB, HBO, CNN, Cartoon Network, Cinemax, Adult Swim, TBS. I mean, dude, and DC, just the umbrella of DC as well. This is a huge deal. And I'm really, really, really excited to see what comes of this in the future, right? So we're kind of bringing together some, some major players in the game what's the next major show they pitch? What's the next major thing that hits with the audience? You know, what's that show that we're talking about on this show in the next year? And I think that's possible and it's going to be a rapid turnaround for Discovery Plus, HBO Plus, HBO Max Plus, whatever they end up calling it. But I do want to point out the Discovery Plus CEO is going to be the CEO of the new joint company. So, I mean, this is a guy that already took the Discovery Plus network to its own streaming outlet. So if he can find that way to merge into HBO Max's app and make this a, a one app experience, which we have been griping about on this episode alone for the Disney Plus experience with Hulu and everything else that's under its umbrella. If you can bring this into one app, this is going to be outstanding, dude. This is going to be a great deal for consumers. And I think we referenced it earlier or I referenced it earlier, 200,000 hours of content. That's a little over 22 years, I, I think, or no, it's uh, 18 years. Uh, off the top of my head, I think that's a lot of content. I mean, you can't really argue with what they're bringing to the table here. Really interested to hear your opinion, though, Gerald. Do you think adding HGTV and everything else under there, the Food Network, is going to be beneficial to help HBO Max out? I know that their numbers aren't as great as everybody else around them in the streaming marketplace, but I think they've done everybody correct during pandemic in the sense of doing the day and date releases. And I really, really, really hope they keep pushing that for a lot of their content. They won't be doing it after 2021. But, uh, dude, I really think we're going to reverse course here. There's no way, the as you said earlier, the horse is out of the barn. Yeah, but then theater owners get upset and they start banning them from theaters. And, yeah, it gets to a messy thing. So I think yeah, they'll cave in. Cryptocurrency is a messy thing, too. And it's starting to upset the world's uh, you know financial system here. So uh, even though it had its own downturn, I, I know that it's it's got a, a promising future. And I think that I think day and dates have a promising future. And it might not be next year. It might be five years from now. And maybe it's inside that decade long window that I gave for you know replacing an actor after a film's already been released. But it's coming. It's going to hit. And it's going to be as wonderful as it was during pandemic. Happy National Streaming Day. Happy National Streaming Day. Let's go back to day and date. I'm just trying to keep National Streaming Day alive. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. First thing that surprised me is that when we learned about the merger and when we learned about what was going on with it, that the Discovery Plus CEO is going to be the one overseeing this. That surprised me that it wasn't someone from Warner Brothers or HBO or CNN or anything of that, uh, the more well-known names. Although Discovery has a huge imprint in the cable industry, so I'm not going to try and dissuade or 
disregard that because i mean so many people watch the food network so many people watch hgtv so many people watch discovery so i was just surprised that discovery plus guy in charge of basically a new network discovery plus just entered the marketplace this year so it's not like they've been out forever themselves and that's that's the thing hbo max is actually older in its existence than discovery plus so it's very interesting to see how that played out but i'm excited to see what's up ahead for this merger and you're right creating over 200,000 hours of content is it's great for the consumers yeah. plus the fact you know shark week might be coming to hbo max that in itself might be something people would just go ahead and you know just water their mouths over just catching that because we know how much of a boon it is for discovery that shark week is so I'm looking forward to it myself as far as seeing what happens. I do think it's in their best interest to combine all this into one entity. I do know that does mean that's going to be a raise in prices. Let's just not beat around the bush on that. But if you're offering a consumer 200,000 hours off the get-go of content, that's something that I think you've got to go ahead and understand that that's a win for you as a consumer just to have all that content at your fingertips, even though it comes at a heavy price. I mean, you could watch Cake Boss to your heart's content. You could watch Chopped to your heart's content. You could watch literally every episode of Chopped. It's going to be available to you at, at some point. So really looking forward to it, man. This is one of the best deals I've actually read about in the recent years when it comes to consumers. I guess I was surprised right off the gate that he was going to be the CEO for the new network or, you know, the new company, whatever you want to call this. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, he had a very successful launch of Discovery Plus. Why not ride that energy? He has a proven track record. Let's keep pushing with David Zaslav, Z-A-S-L-A-V. That's a fun one to, to get through there. Actually, it's more fun than my name. It's got a Z in it. So, <laughs> But I, I'm really looking forward to the outcome of this one, Gerald. It's going to kind of come down to how much does it cost. It's all going to be about that Brinks truck. How much money yeah. am I going to be shelling out every year for this network? But you know, if you keep it relatively close to what it is now, you did announce the 1099 streaming plan with ads. So if you can- could... It's $10. It's 999 oh, it's... Yeah. Okay. $9.99 with ads. I mean, hey, that's already moving towards more of that Discovery Plus, more traditional cable network kind of feeling. So they're doing it. They're, they're making it happen. Well, let me just go ahead and say this. This really exemplifies what the streaming wars are all about now, now that we're in it. I mean, this is so far removed from three, even two years ago, we were talking about a new entity on the corner and what they've got and everything like that. It was just maybe one at a time. It's kind of slow burning in. And then all of a sudden it's like cable all over again. When cable exploded in the eighties and nineties, when they were talking about a whole bunch of networks popping up, popping up all over the place. And now you have a situation where you have all this content, but you want the rights to it. And we talk about Peacock acquiring the WWE network, paying, five years for a billion dollars for the WWE network to add on their NBC sports network, because that's doing the El Foldo act and everything going into there, which could include the Olympics, which could include a lot of things that they didn't have before. So they're garnering thousands and thousands of hours of content just in those maneuvers. And then you have Disney plus, which is trying to go ahead and create a lot of original content beyond what they have in the Disney vault. And of course, you got Netflix, which is spending $19 billion this year alone in absolutely new content for their streaming service. They just spent almost half of Time Warner Discovery Plus on content mm -hmm. this year. Yep, That is correct. That's what they're projected to spend. So, I mean, they're serious about everything that they're doing. And of course, we're not even including in this factor Paramount Plus, which is moving CBS shows, Evil, and... SEAL Team, among others, over to Paramount+. Plus. I think SEAL Team is going to get put like three or four episodes on CBS, but after that, it's going to migrate full-time over to Paramount+, Plus, amongst all the other stuff that they're doing with the Star Trek stuff and so much more that they're offering. To me, these streaming wars is like a high-stakes poker game. We're in a penthouse in Vegas, and we're just all going to come back down to Vegas. Hopefully no zombies, but 
we're going to be around in Vegas at a poker room. It's like those high stakes poker rooms that I have seen before in Vegas where you have all these big money spenders. You have all these streaming giants sitting around the table and each of them is trying to ante more up and put more and put more into the middle of the table. And they're trying to make sure that they have the best hand possible. So they're trying to go ahead and put whatever content they can on their network and obtain any content that they can for their network to go ahead and have that best hand possible. It is a very intriguing poker game right now. It's very high stakes. And it means right now tens of millions of dollars each and every financial quarter. It's a lot of money that's being tossed around right now for this content. Is it worth it? I think it is. Well, I just want to put that money into perspective. Netflix is spending, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be referencing Lyft, you know, the people that give you a ride everywhere like Uber. Netflix is spending the value of a Lyft on content for 2021. That is insane to me. That is so much money being spent on fresh content for viewers in 2021. I mean, I think your analogy of sitting at the poker table and just tossing money in the pot, that's the best way to describe it right now. People are just, not people, CEOs are going nuts bidding on streaming platforms and content right now. It's insane, Gerald. Well, I want to ask you this, my friend, because we talked about during the pandemic, you know, the movies were going to get a little bit less expensive. Nobody's going to be wanting to go ahead and dish out $300 million because they're not going to get the kind of financial return to the box office because people are reluctant to go into the box office. At least at that time, we talked about this over the past few months. But then again, Netflix, here they come. Like I said, spending $19 billion this year, talking about spending $200 million for this Leonardo DiCaprio movie or $200 more for this Chris Evans movie and talking about dishing out that kind of money for that. It's insane. I mean, Amazon spending $500 million for the rights and $500 million for the first season of the Lord of the Rings prequel. I mean, this is a high-stakes poker game. If everybody out there is not getting into tune of that, they are trying to do everything that they can to go ahead and get your eyes on their streaming outlet. It's a high stakes game and it's a high reward game if you can nail that jackpot. So I have no doubt over the next year or two, we're going to see another combination here that's going to rival this. So it's up for debate. Maybe we can start making a, an odd sheet on who is the next merger. We're going to have to do a lot more research on that and a lot more <laughs> uh, talk about this coming yeah. up with more thoughts, maybe on some a side conversation, perhaps on the streaming outlets, but we're going to have to do more on this in regards to it because Discovery and Time Warner have merged and they're going to go, well, pending approval by the appropriate outfits, but a pending approval on a merger between Discovery and Time Warner. And if that happens and it's priced right, they will now become a big player in this high stakes poker game for the streaming outlets. What are your thoughts out there on Discovery and Time Warner? bringing all their entities together in one big happy merger. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. But before we head on out, my friend, F9. I know that's not coming out until next month for us, late next month. And also to our friends in the UK, it's also not coming out until late next month. But if you're in China, you get it this weekend. And it's interesting to see how it's being rolled out because it's going to be rolled out slowly, internationally, over the next few weeks. But this is something that is a primary concern for the folks at Universal and the Fast and Furious IP because we talk about before the success of it, and I know we laugh about the stories and we laugh about the uh, 
lived my life one quarter mile at the time and family, 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 and all that. But family, 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 and we're just meeting his brother for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Jokes aside, my friend, I mean, this behemoth of an IP has become such where these movies garner over a billion dollars each and every time out because of the fact that it's garnered so much notoriety overseas it's not necessarily a domestic super hit here it does really good here in the states but the reason why it's garnered over a billion dollars in the films that it has is because it's had more support internationally than almost any other u.s made film so i want to hear your thoughts my friend as it's being rolled out internationally because of course depending on the marketplace because of what's going on with covid certain markets are reluctant to go ahead and open up theaters. So you do have to roll out slowly, but this is probably one of the greatest examples of a big budget movie coming out, being distributed very slowly over a longer period of time. Usually we see it within maybe two or three weeks internationally, and then it goes to the U S or the U S and goes internationally. In this case, we're talking about a six week period from point A to point Z in regards to releasing this film. Is this going to be something that we're going to be seeing down the road in the near future for a lot of other major films going forward? It might be. I'm chasing this thought as you're asking the question. Are you driving at one of the Grand Torinos as you're doing so? Yeah, kind of. Uh, So I'm thinking about it. Or maybe a Charger? Uh, Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Challenger? I'm I'm more of a Nissan GTR kind of person, you know. If I'm oh, going to live go. in the Fast and the Furious franchise, give me a customize Nissan. it. There you go. All right, there you go. No, I'm going to take a Challenger, man. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like a, a Challenger or anything like that. I I mean, if I'm going to live in the my Fast life, and Fu- a quarter mile yeah. at a time. Yeah, just you know, put a gigantic engine in it and just roar down the strip. And but I, I've got you off train, my friend. Go ahead. No, no, it's it's fine. We needed to have that moment where we talk about what our car would be if we were in the Fast and the Furious franchise. But regardless, I, I think this is actually something that could happen if you start looking at what the terms of the deal with Sony and Disney came to the Spider-Man franchise with the tiered rollout. It would hit the theaters first, then it would have a, a period of time at Netflix, and eventually roll on to Disney Plus. Correct. I think that's something that we're going to start seeing affect rollouts of movies, period. So this phased international rollout, you know, for a franchise that has made a lot of money overseas, if you look at it, a billion dollars across five films, including the 2019 spinoff of Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, China's poured a lot of money into this franchise. Why would you not just open the door there first? As much as we love to make fun of the Fast and the Furious franchise, it was very popular here in the States at one point in time. No longer so, but you know it, it does resonate with a whole. You know, well, no, whole bunch it's, of it's not that it isn't popular. It still garners four hundred to five hundred million here. It just does six to nine hundred million overseas. Yeah, and I mean, if you look, the early projections for the international rollout are one hundred and forty million on opening weekend for F nine. So I mean, that's huge, and they're just opening in China first, correct? Or yes. are they opening it? Yeah, I think it was China first. Yeah, China first, and then they're doing a few other Asian markets before they move uh, out of, uh, around the rest of the world. But, I mean, dude, this is massive, and I think it might change the shape of some of the American franchises that do well overseas, and I'm struggling here, but, I mean, maybe Jurassic Park. Well, well there are movies sometimes domestically that are released worldwide, and then they make it to China months later. I mean, that's kind of different. I know that happens every now and then because of China does block off domestic films for a certain period of time. They cannot be allowed to be going ahead and debut on theaters for a certain period of time. So then there's, I think, a golden week where they have a whole bunch of films. It's like everybody gets the week off and everybody goes ahead and gets to watch a whole bunch of stuff then. But the way that they're doing it right now is very interesting because they're going to debut it on China first. I think that was very smart because if you look at Box Office Mojo or whoever you go to for your box office world numbers and you see who is leading where, you'll see that China is by far and away the leading box office entity in the world right now. And it's not even close. In fact, the two movies I think that are at the top and it's not even close are both Chinese homemade films. And they're very supportive of their own product domestically and Again, they are the two most successful films right now. And Universal, I think, is smart in going ahead and reaching China out first. 
and then letting things progress here or progress anywhere, the UK, anywhere that's trying to go ahead and get more inoculated and hopefully get more back to normal soon enough. Yeah, I actually just crossed a fast fact here on the deadline article I had pulled up. The Fast and the Furious franchise actually holds multiple records in China, including the number two and number three spots for Hollywood films of all time. That is The Fate of the Furious and Furious 7 both. I mean, it makes sense why we're rolling out in China first and then you know having a tiered response uh, thereafter, but we're going to maybe walk more down this road uh, in the future and see how this uh, affects some of the American franchises that uh, traditionally do better overseas, but are still major hits here domestically. Well, that was something that Josh and I had talked about. We saw the market changing. We saw the influence that the Chinese marketplace had on Hollywood and how Hollywood was sort of embracing the Chinese culture and the Chinese marketplace and started gearing movies a little bit more towards them as far as producing the products. Obviously, they were still creating products for everyone out there and, of course, the United States as well. But I'm saying that they started realizing that the Chinese marketplace was the fastest growing marketplace for watching movies before the pandemic. And it was looked like before the end of the decade, had there been no pandemic, that they would be the number one entity around the world anyways. And the pandemic has just speeded up this process because now, by far and away, the Chinese audience is the largest movie-going audience right now on the planet. And Universal sees this and realizes, you know what? The market is, is right now recovering the best in China. Let's go and hit there first. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a business decision and it's a great one to make, man. It's always been about money. So let's go chase that money in China and we'll go from there. And then you're going to see it starting roll out across to countries all over the world slowly, but surely each and every week until it gets to the U.S., I think in the June 20s and then also the U.K. Yeah, June 25th. I think that's around the same time the U.K. gets it as well. But as much as we joke here with family, 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 and I live my life a quarter mile at a time and been decent <laughs> and all that, it is still something that is a spectacle each and every time out. So Marcus, Josh, and I are always looking forward to a good Fast and Furious movie, and hopefully we'll get one with F9 whenever it comes to our neck of the woods sometime soon. What are your thoughts out there on F9? Are you excited to go ahead and catch this latest installment of the Fast and Furious series? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we are at the end of the show. It's been another great episode. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. As always, to all the radio stations that are out there, we cannot thank you enough for playing our shows. We're now over 40 radio stations around the world, and we are just ecstatic about that and hopefully you are too as well about listening to our show if you have any questions for us popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or reach out to us on the twitter at popculturecosmo or facebook popculturecosmos as well where you will see on our facebook the latest news and information in pop culture each and every day right there at the popculturecosmos well, my friend, thank you so much for being part of today's episode. As always, any last thoughts on the way out? Everybody have a safe weekend. Have a fun weekend. And I will take some pictures and put them up on Instagram and Twitter from the beach while I'm there this weekend. I've got four words for people before we head on out. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. You got to get it. You got to play it. And like me, hopefully this weekend, you got to love it as well. On the way out, I just want to give a shout out to Buddy Gold. He reached out to me on the Facebook, but really should have been the Twitter. The Twitter. Uh, the Twitter. You Buddy know, Gold I, from Croc Radio. Just wanted to give everybody. Buddy Gold from Croc Radio. Major supporter of the show. Thank you for always being around, Buddy. Good man. I have a feeling F9 is going to be at the drive-in of choice for myself. So if anybody's in the Central Florida landscape and you've been vaccinated and want to have a little bit of a socially distanced affair, you know we can go sit and watch F9 together and, and make fun of it and hang out. There's a drive-in in Lakeland, Florida. Come hang out, folks. Reach out to me on the Twitter, and maybe we can watch movies together. Absolutely. Speaking of great owners of radio stations, I do want to mention the passing of one of the best owners that we've had and we've had to interact with and that is Troy Brewer who passed away and we were notified of that this week. We send our thoughts and respects and condolences to his family, 
He was a great man behind the series of channels from the Discovery Radio Network. And I wish his family all the best and Godspeed, Troy. Godspeed. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glasser. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great